Chapter Two of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Miser's Treasure, Part One. Florent had just begun the study of law in Paris when his mother died. She lived at Vigan dans la Gare. She had married a second time a Normand, a Quenu of Yoteau, whom a sub-prefect had brought and forgotten in the south he remained at the prefecture finding the country charming the wine good and the woman kind an indigestion three years after his marriage carried him off and he left to his wife a stout boy much like himself but not a sou the mother was then paying with great difficulty her son florent's way in college he was the child of her first marriage and gave her great satisfaction he was very industrious and ambitious and carried off all the prizes it was on him that she concentrated all her tenderness and all her hopes perhaps she had preferred her first husband perhaps quenu whose good humour had first charmed her was too much absorbed in himself she at all events made up her mind that her youngest boy would never amount to much she contented herself with sending him to school to an old woman in the neighbourhood where the child learned a little or nothing the two brothers grew up far from each other and almost as strangers when florent arrived at vigan his mother was buried she had concealed her illness as long as possible that she might not disturb him at his studies he found little quenu then about twelve sobbing in the kitchen a neighbour told him all the melancholy details his mother had literally killed herself with work that her son might pursue his studies to her little shop where she sold ribbons she added other toil which kept her up early and late the fixed idea of seeing florent a lawyer rendered her hard exacting and pitiless toward herself and others little quenu went about with ragged clothing and never dared help himself at table his mother always cut his bread for him and cut it very thin too it was to this regime that she had succumbed with immense despair at leaving her task incomplete the history made a terrible impression on the tender nature of florent his tears choked him he took his young brother in his arms and kissed him as if to assure him of the affection with which he should always regard him he looked at the little fellow's shoes and holes jacket and rags and at his generally neglected air and told him that he was to go with him and that they would be happy together the next day he found that he had not money enough to return to paris but was determined not to remain at vigan he therefore gladly sold out the little ribbon shop which enabled him to pay his mother's small debts and the neighbor offered him five hundred francs for the linen and entire household possessions of the deceased the neighbor made a good bargain but the young man thanked him with tears in his eyes and that evening dressed his brother in new garments he was compelled to give up his law studies for the time and on his return to paris established himself with quenu in la rue royer collard in a large room which he furnished with two iron beds a wardrobe and four chairs he regarded his brother as his child and at first when he came home in the evenings attempted to teach the child but the lessons did no good the boy absolutely refused to learn anything sobbed and wished his mother were back and he could play in the streets all day long florent in despair gave up the lessons consoled him and promised an indefinite vacation and to excuse his weakness in his own eyes he said to himself that he had taken the child only to make him happy this was florent's rule of conduct now to sacrifice everything that quenu might be happy the elder brother absolutely adored the younger 
basked in his smiles and laughed when he laughed and enjoyed the boys growing up with no care or fear for the future florent had a few scholars but the task of teaching wore heavily upon him he grew thinner and thinner each day while canu was as plump as a partridge and barely knew how to read and write but with a good nature which filled with gaiety that old room in la rue royer years went on florent who had inherited from his mother the spirit of self-sacrifice cherished quenu as if he had been a great indolent girl he even avoided imposing on him any of their small household cares it was he who went out for their provisions he who cooked them and he who kept the room clean it takes me out of myself said florent who was very gloomy at times when he came in at night body and mind utterly weary hating the children he had been teaching he was touched by the joy of this big boy whom he generally found playing top in the centre of the floor quenu laughed at his awkwardness in making an omelette and at the solemnity with which he prepared the pot au feu when the lamp was out and florent lay in his bed he was at times very sad he was very anxious to resume his law studies and was trying to arrange his time so that he could follow the course prescribed by the faculty when he at last succeeded in doing this he was very happy but a low fever which kept him ten days in the house was such a drain on his small resources and made him so very anxious that he gave up all idea of finishing his studies his child was growing up and was to be established he succeeded in obtaining a position as professor in a boarding-school in la rue de l'estrapade with a salary of eighteen hundred francs which to him was a fortune with economy he could put aside to establish quenu whom at eighteen he treated as if he were a sister or a daughter for whom a dowry was to be laid aside during his brother's short illness quenu had made his own little reflections and one morning announced that he wished to work that he was old enough to earn his own bread florent was profoundly touched opposite their room on the other side of the street was a clockmaker whom the boy had found a special fascination in watching seeing him bending over his little table handling delicate tools and toiling patiently all day long quenu therefore declared that this was what he liked but at the end of a fortnight he was in despair wept bitter tears and said he could never learn the trade nor remember the thousand nonsensical things in a watch he preferred to be a locksmith but this he found too fatiguing in two years he had tried ten trades florent agreed to all he said and would not allow him to stick to anything he did not like unfortunately this beautiful devotion on the part of quenu and his desire to earn his bread was rather an expensive thing while he was going from place to place there were new and unforeseen expenses constantly occurring florent's salary no longer sufficed them and he was compelled to take several pupils in the evening he wore the same overcoat for eight years the two brothers had made a friend the house in which they lived had a facade on la rue st jacques and overlooked a great cook-shop kept by a man named gavard whose wife was dying of consumption when florent came in too late to cook a bit of meat he bought a morsel of turkey or of roast goose for twelve sous this was a great feast gavard at last became much interested in this tall thin fellow whose history he soon learned he took a fancy to quenu who fairly haunted the cook-shop as soon as his brother left home he hastened to his friend and remained there all day watching the huge spits turn slowly before the clear fire 
the copper saucepans glittered the poultry smoked the lard bubbled in the frying-pans and each spoke to canu as he with a long-handled spoon in his hand basted the brown breasts of the geese and the turkeys then when the fowls were cooked to a turn and taken from the spit and the skewers drawn out the boy looked on in ecstasy talking to the turkeys telling them that they smelled deliciously and that they should be eaten every mouthful and that the cat should not have even a bone he was perfectly happy when gavard gave him a slice of bread and permission to dip it into the gravy this place was unquestionably where quenu took his fancy for cooking and later after he had tried all trades he came back to that he was afraid that his brother would be displeased as he had rather a contempt for the good things of the table but finding that florent listened patiently while he described some complicated dish he summoned courage to announce his vocation and soon entered the restaurant from that time the life of the two brothers was settled they lived together in the same large room that is they met there each evening and parted again in the morning one with his face gay and bright the other with the downcast look of an overworked professor florent carefully laid aside his black coat while quenu put on his apron his white jacket and tall cap and busied himself about the fire in the preparation of some dainty never was a menage on more congenial footing the elder brother continued to grow thin burned out by the energy of his father the younger grew plumper and plumper a true son of normandy they loved in each other their common mother that woman who was made up of unselfish tenderness they had in paris one relative a brother of their mother a pork vendor in the quartier des halles he was a coarse miserly fellow who received them as if they were beggars when they first called upon him and they repeated their visits only at rare intervals on the birthday of the old man quenu carried him a bouquet and received ten sous florent suffered tortures while gradelle for this was the name of the uncle examined his threadbare overcoat with the uneasy suspicious look of a man who expects to be asked for a loan of five francs florent had the simplicity one day to ask his uncle to change a hundred franc note and after this his uncle was less afraid to see the children as he called them come in but their friendship advanced but slowly these years were to florent a long dream a dream that was both sweet and sad he tasted all the bitter pleasure of self-immolation at home he was beloved outside among his pupils where he was subjected to a thousand humiliations he felt himself becoming embittered and thoroughly wicked his ambition which he thought dead leaped again into life long months of discipline were needed before he could bow his head and accept poverty and mediocrity eager to escape temptation he threw himself into an ideal goodness and created for himself a refuge of justice and absolute truth it was then he became a republican as despairing girls become nuns and as he could find no republic which would drown his woes he created one books no longer charmed him all that blackened paper in the midst of which he lived recalled to him his ill-smelling classroom the chewed paper balls flung about by the boys and long wearisome hours books only spoke to him of revolt and awakened his ambition and pride while he felt the most imperative need of peace and rest to dream of happiness and of the realization of his dreams was his one recreation the occupation of his leisure hours he read no more than was demanded by the duties of his profession 
he took long walks through the outer boulevards devising all the time certain measures and humanitarian devices which would change this suffering town into a city of the blessed when the days of february steeped paris in blood he rushed about and became one of those orators who preach revolution as if it were a new religion all sweetness and redemption it needed the dark december days to change this universal tenderness he allowed himself to be taken with the spirit of a lamb and was treated like a wolf when he awoke from a dream of a sermon on fraternity he was suffering the pangs of hunger on the cold stones of a casemate at bicetre quenu who was then twenty-two was filled with mortal anguish when his brother did not return and the next morning went to the montmartre cemetery to look for him among the dead who were covered with straw all but their heads he was blinded by tears at this horrible sight at the end of a week he heard that his brother was a prisoner but he could not see him on his persisting he was threatened with arrest himself he then went to find uncle gradelle and implored him to save florent but uncle gradelle flew into a passion and declared that it served the fellow right he had no business to get mixed up with those republicans and added that he always knew that florent would turn out badly for it was written on his face quenu wept his eyes out and would not go away his uncle was a little ashamed then and felt as if he must do something for this poor boy and proposed that he should come to him he needed an assistant quenu dreaded to return to his great empty room and accepted the offer made by his uncle he slept in a little dark closet where he could hardly stretch himself out but he wept less than he would have done had his brother's empty bed stared him in the face he succeeded finally in seeing florent but on returning from his first visit to bicetre he was taken ill and was kept in bed for three weeks this was his first and only attack of illness gradelle cursed his republican nephew in his heart and when he one morning heard that he had been sent to cayenne he rushed to quenu awoke him roughly to convey this intelligence which had such an effect on the young man that the next day he was on his feet a month later and he laughed though angry with himself that he did so but after a little he laughed as of yore he learned all the art of cooking pork he liked nothing better than to be in the kitchen uncle gradelle told him that few cooks knew how to manage pork and that he could teach him many a secret as the young man was really useful to him gradelle began to like him after his own fashion he sold the poor furniture of la rue royer collard for forty francs and kept the money for he said that spendthrift quenu would only throw it out of the window he ended by giving him six francs each month for pocket money quenu cramped for money and almost brutalized was very happy for he had made a friend at his uncle gradelle's who when he lost his wife had engaged a girl to assist at the counter he selected one that was good-looking knowing that his choice would be another attraction to his shop he knew in la rue cuvier near the jardin des plantes a widow lady whose husband had been postmaster at plassans this lady who lived upon a very small income had brought from that town a pretty child whom she treated like her own daughter lisa took care of her adopted mother with calm serenity if she were a little too serious she was very beautiful when she smiled her great charm was in this rare smile then her very look was a caress the old lady often said that a smile from lisa would tempt her to follow her to the infernal regions when an attack of asthma carried her off 
she left to the child of her adoption all her savings about ten thousand francs lisa was a week alone in the little apartment in la rue cuvier and it was there that gradel went to look for her he knew her from having seen her when the lady with whom she resided paid him an occasional visit at the funeral he was quite struck by her beauty and as they were lowering the coffin it suddenly occurred to him that she would be quite superb behind his counter he went a week later to make her an offer he promised her thirty francs a month with board she asked for twenty-four hours for consideration and at the end of that time she arrived with her little bundle and her ten thousand francs sewed into her corset a month later she ruled the house gradel quenu and the smallest of the scullions quenu in particular would have cut off his fingers for her lisa who was the eldest child of a macaw at plassans had a father living but she never heard from him she mentioned more than once that her mother when living had been a hard-working woman and that she was like her she was indeed very industrious she talked too of the duties of a wife and of a husband in such a sensible way that quenu was quite charmed he told her he had precisely the same ideas which were simply that everybody ought to work that each individual has his happiness in his own hands that to encourage idleness is to encourage sin this was an out-and-out condemnation of drunkenness the besetting sin of the old macaw unknown to herself it was a real macaw that spoke in her a reasonable logical settled macaw who had found out the best way to sleep comfortably is to make one's own bed she gave to this consideration much time and much thought when she was only six years old she would sit still the whole day long on the promise of being rewarded by a cake at night at gradelle's lisa continued to live her calm methodical life she had not accepted the good man's proposition without mature deliberation she needed a home and a protector and felt certain that a future would be open to her a solid comfortable future a life of healthy enjoyment and regular work without fatigue or responsibility she took care of her counter in the conscientious way in which she had discharged all her duties at the postmaster's widow before long the cleanliness and whiteness of lisa's aprons were a proverb in the quartier uncle gradel was so pleased that he said sometimes to quenu as he chopped his sausages upon my word if i were not over sixty i would marry that girl a woman like that my boy is worth a fortune in trade quenu drank all this in but he laughed nevertheless one fine day when a neighbor accused him of being in love with lisa they were very good friends the girl occupied next to the closet where the youth slept a room which she had made very pretty with the light paper and muslin curtains they stood on the landing talking a few minutes and then parted with a cheerful good-night quenu heard lisa moving about the partition wall was so thin that he could hear every sound and when he heard the bed crack after she had put out her candle he said to himself mademoiselle lisa is not a feather by any means this went on for a year in the morning the girl would greet the young man without the smallest embarrassment and would often help him in his work they would each taste the sausages to ascertain if they were highly enough seasoned her judgment was good and she had several excellent receipts from the south which he tried with great success in the afternoons when there were no customers in the shop they talked quietly together she sat behind her counter knitting and he on a log of wood nearby the two understood each other to perfection they talked a little of cooking then of uncle gradel 
and exchanged a little harmless gossip about the quartier she told him stories as she would to a child she knew any quantity and wonderful legends also full of lambs and angels which she repeated in a sweet flute-like voice and with her solemn little manner at eleven o'clock they lighted their candles and marched upstairs side by side at the doors of their rooms they would stop good-night mademoiselle lisa good-night monsieur quenu one morning uncle gradelle was struck down by an apoplectic fit while preparing a galantine lisa did not lose her self-possession she said he must not lie there in the middle of the kitchen then she stated to every one that the uncle had died in his bed where she and quenu laid him had the truth been known their customers would have been disgusted and left them quenu obeyed all her instructions in a dull stupor later he and lisa wept together he was the sole heir he and his brother florent the gossips in the neighbourhood looked on old gradelle as a man of wealth but the truth was that not a silver piece could they find lisa was very uneasy quenu saw her looking about as if she had lost something finally she decided on a grand cleaning one afternoon she had been in the cellar for a couple of hours and came up with something in her apron quenu was busy and she waited until he had finished what he was doing and talked with him in an indifferent tone but her eyes were very bright she smiled her rare smile and said she wished to speak to him she climbed the staircase with difficulty her movements hampered by the burden she carried in her apron at the top she was obliged to sit down and breathe quenu in considerable astonishment followed her into her room it was the first time he had ever crossed the threshold she closed the door and dropping the corners of her apron which her stiffened fingers could no longer hold she let fall on her bed a perfect rain of gold and silver she had found in the bottom of a salting tub uncle gradelle's treasure the two young people sat down on the bed and looked at this pile which they began to count there were forty thousand francs in gold three thousand in silver and shut up in a tin box forty-two thousand in banknotes they were two good hours in making this calculation quenu's hands trembled but lisa was perfectly calm when they named the sum total eighty-five thousand francs naturally they began to talk of their future and of their marriage though there had never been any allusion made to it before this money seemed to untie their tongues and they sat talking until dusk when lisa started and blushed the bed was all in disorder the gold lay heaped on the pillow between them they started up in as much confusion as if they had committed some great fault then lisa got her ten thousand francs which quenu wished to add to his uncle's money it was agreed that lisa should keep it all together for a while in her wardrobe she locked it up straightened out the bed and the two went quietly downstairs they were exactly like husband and wife with their common interests the marriage took place the next month and the quartier thought it was the most natural thing in the world there was a vague rumour of the finding of the treasure and lisa's honesty was a subject of endless eulogy after all she need never have told quenu she could have kept the money as no one had seen it of course quenu ought to marry her he was a lucky dog to be sure to have such a handsome wife and one too who had found a fortune for him lisa smiled when she heard any of these whispers 
she and her husband lived much as they had done before like two friends rather than as married lovers lisa however was too intelligent a woman not to understand the folly of allowing these eighty-five thousand francs to rest quietly in the drawer of her wardrobe quenu would have liked to put them back into the salting-tub and when they had made as much more retired to suresnes a place they both liked but she had very different ideas la rue pirouette was offensive to her ideas of cleanliness she wanted air sunshine and light the shop where uncle gradelle had amassed this treasure sou by sou was a dark hole so to speak of which many are to be found in old paris permeated with the smell of grease and cooking in spite of all the soap and water which may be lavished upon them and lisa dreamed of one of the modern shops with large panes of glass she had no desire to play the lady behind the counter she had a very clear idea of the duties of the position she wished to undertake quenu was much startled the first time she spoke of moving and spending a portion of their money in decorating a shop she shrugged her shoulders with a smile one evening at twilight before the shop was lighted the husband and wife heard one woman say to another before their door no indeed i will not go there i would not buy an inch of black pudding of them they had had a death in their kitchen quenu was ready to weep for this was a sorry bit of intelligence to get about this it was in fact which finally reconciled him to the idea of moving his wife at once occupied herself with the new shop she had found one in an excellent situation the halles were opposite their custom would soon be quadrupled and their place would be known throughout paris quenu allowed himself to be drawn into mad expenditures and put thirty thousand francs into marble mirrors and gilding lisa spent hours with the workmen discussing the most trivial details when at last all was completed and she took her seat behind the counter the whole world flocked in merely to see the shop there was a large amount of white marble there were huge mirrors and glittering chandeliers suggesting an indefinite number of rooms all filled with good things to eat on the right was a wide counter of white and pink marble a repetition of the floor which had in addition a border in a wide pattern of deep red the whole quartier took pride in this pork shop and for a month people stood still on the sidewalk to contemplate it and to catch a glimpse of lisa her beautiful pink and white skin was as wonderful as the tints of the marble she was the master spirit or rather the goddess the stately and solid idol of the shop and went by the name of la belle lisa on the right of the entrance was the dining-room always kept in the most delicate order with a buffet a table and cane seated chairs the inlaid floor and the paper on the walls both pale yellow the room was a little cold in tone brightened as it was only by a brass hanging lamp with its porcelain shade over the centre of the table a door from the dining-room opened into the large square kitchen at the end of which was a small flagged courtyard which served as a place to put pots and kettles which were past use boxes and barrels on the left of the fountain and by the side of the gutter which carried off the dirty water were a few pots of flowers withered and dying business prospered quenu who had been considerably startled at the magnitude of his wife's ideas ended by admitting her cleverness and wisdom in five years they had a comfortable little sum of eighty thousand francs well invested lisa said they were not ambitious that they were in no haste to grow rich 
they were young still they had plenty of time before them and they wished to take their comfort as they went along now added lisa in an hour of expansion i have a cousin in paris i never see him the two families are not on terms he has taken the name of saccard as he wanted certain things forgotten well i am told that this cousin makes millions but he is always in a hurry hardly stops to eat his dinner i don't call that living we know what we eat and we enjoy it i can see no use in money except for what it buys as to piling one pence on another i would sooner fold my arms and sit still i should like to see my cousin's millions though for i do not quite believe in them i saw him the other day in a carriage and he was as yellow as a lemon and looked perfectly overwhelmed with care of course this is his own affair but we think very differently End of chapter 2 part 1